Well, our message this, uh, we're in a series about prayer, and um, it's, um, it's been fun so far. This is our second week. I, um, I tell you, there's great things that are in store. And so let me just say this little bit about prayer, is that, um, first of all, that there are uh, many people who, uh, you know, think that our relationship with God is just all God talking to us. God saying, this is what you do, this is what you don't do. Um, this is this is how this is going to work, and it's all kind of like up here, down to us, and it's it's just all about that. But prayer is so much more than that. Prayer is our communing communing with Him. Prayer is two way. It's us speaking to Him. Jesus said that your Father in heaven knows what you ask, even uh, what you need, even before you ask. And so there's two parts to that. It's God knowing who knows all things, and it's us letting him know where our heart is. Just like when you know what's wrong with your child, and and you just kind of want them to tell you, maybe if they need help, right? And it's like, well, as soon as you ask, I'll help you. Help me, Daddy. So prayer is not just uh, hearing all of rules and regulations and stuff, but it's two-way It's God speaking to us, listen, in a language we understand. Yeah, God speaks in a language we understand. Someone once said that um, uh, in heaven the official language is English, and that's so the Americans know what's going on. (laughs) Excuse me, what did he just say? Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, now, of course, I know there are others, you know, I know what you're immediately thinking. No, it's my language. Okay, let's, let's, trust me. Uh, the Lord speaks to us today in a language we can understand. Okay, and sometimes it's, it's, it's our language. Sometimes it's the heavens themselves. And so, so prayer is that. So, so t- the message this morning is entitled, Don't Pray. Don't Pray. The series is about prayer. It, uh, let us pray. Don't pray. Things that you don't have to pray for. Please don't leave yet. You know, like, I went to that church and the pastor said, we don't have to pray. No, I did not say that. You got to wait, okay? It's a catchy title to pique your interest, and I'm not sure if I've done that or not. But anyway, things that you don't have to pray for. So there's a, t- a particular teenager in my house that I thought I would ask this question to. And I, I won't say who they are, but they are in the back. And I said, so, I said, so is, is there anything you don't have to pray about? And, you know, like in my house and, you know, when I taught school, everything was a trick question. And so kids learn just not to answer. Like, like the little child that was in children's ministry the one time and, and the, the teacher came and said, okay, okay, students, um, what's, uh, what's furry and has a, a bushy tail and collects, and collects nuts uh, for the winter? No one would answer. And she goes, come on, this is, you guys know this, right? It's not a trick. Trick question, and finally, a little guy in the back said, "Well, it sounds like a squirrel, but I'm going to say Jesus, because he's the answer to everything. That's what you want, right?" <laughs> yeah. So I know. Uh, so I asked, my, I asked um, one of my kids. I said, "So is there anything you don't have to pray about?" They thought about it for a while, and they said, "Well, yeah. There's a lot you don't have to pray about, like." Like right now, I don't have to pray about should I play Xbox or Wii. I mean, you know, you don't have to pray about that. <laughs> and then, uh, oh yeah, and like you don't have to pray about whether you should have a burger or pizza. I mean, like, like it would actually be pretty weird if you prayed about everything. And I thought, okay, well, that's kind of an, kind of an interesting way uh, uh, to look at it. Um, uh, things you don't have to pray about. You don't have to pray about whether or not you should love others. 
right? You don't have to pray about that. You don't have to pray about whether or not you should forgive somebody. That, that's, that's nothing to pray about. You know, you know, let's see. I know the Bible says I'm supposed to be humble, but I am just, I'm just, I'm, I, I'm not going to do that. I need to pray about, no, you don't have to pray about being humble, but the Bible tells us to do that, right? So things that you do not need to pray about. Now, if you feel like you've missed the mark, if you feel like when it comes to prayer, like God is here and you're here, uh, if you, you feel like I really don't have this prayer thing down, here's the thing about prayer. It's the great equalizer. So you don't have to have a theological degree. You don't have to be intelligent. You don't have to have all of the particular words. Like you got to use the right words, man, if you want God to hear you. No, because God knows our heart, even if we can't mouth the words. Uh, The faintest cry uh, he hears. And and when, when, when there's no one else around, God's there. In your darkest moments, in your brightest moments, He's there. Remember, we're talking two-way communication. We're not talking about just hearing God telling us what to do or what don't to do, what not to do, but communication, okay? And so it's the great equalizer, all right? But you know what? We're all growing in this. And today we're going to talk about being more efficient in our prayers. Are there any wasted prayers? Any wasted prayers? Hmm. Prayer is important. Jesus said when you pray, assuming that we would be people of prayer, um, the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. That means to live in a continuum of prayer. You know, one of the things when we become into this dimension of the spirit, when we, when we come to know Jesus, the, the, it's not the Old Testament in particular, everything was on the outside. Everything was on the wall. You had to go to the priest. You had to bring sacrifices. You had to go to the temple and to the tabernacle, right? The law was up here. You had to obey every tenant of the law. And if you didn't, there were a whole bunch of circumstances that had to take place for your sin to be forgiven. But it was all external. And the purpose of all of that was to bring people to a place of realizing that I can't can't do all of this so 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 that it would now be internal so now god's spirit lives within us and he works not just on uh, our behavior because the lord is so much more interested than us just being good people uh, i mean like you know christians are nice you know what it, let me tell you about christianity it's messy it is and 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 he's he's after our hearts but now the law is on the inside. See, there were certain times that you had to pray. Now you pray whenever you want to. You had to go through a priest. Now you go into his very presence whenever you want to. Like the little child whose dad is the CEO of a major corporation. And he runs into the boardroom and goes, Daddy, Daddy. And it's like, that's my kid. You know, he doesn't realize that he's not supposed to be here. Sometimes I feel like, I'm really not supposed to be here, God. But anyway, I'm glad that I am, right? Yeah. And so, so, so that's prayer. It's, it, it's, it's, it's intimate. It's any time. It, it's not, well, I have my daily prayer time, but what about after that? Sorry, you'll have to wait till tomorrow, you know? No, no. It's not all this external stuff. It's now, it's now internal stuff. You got that? I could go over it again if you need me to. Do you got that? Yeah, I see, I see. Okay, you're enthusiastic about that. All right. Okay. So, Reader's Digest says this, the life of prayer is a journey with God as well as toward God. A journey in which prayer becomes for those who pursue it as natural as breathing. 
When everything we do is prayer, the fruit is an increase in love, patience, compassion for others, leaving behind the unmistakable taste of holiness. I love that. Now, of course, Jesus tells us things that we, uh, ways to not pray. In other words, he says, don't pray like the hypocrites who pray loud, boisterous prayers because they want everyone to know how great they are at prayer. Oh, holy man. Oh, holy woman. Listen to them pray. Surely God hears them. And the Lord's like, I'm not hearing anything because their motivation is wrong. The Lord would go on to say, don't just pray vain repetition. Don't pray the same thing over and over and over again. These people, he said, believe that by repeating things so much that God would actually hear them when he already knows and he already hears. Okay, so I want to talk about this prayer relationship thing in the context of a story. And it's a mission trip out of the book of Acts. By the way, if you are looking for Wi-Fi uh, you'll find LGFC guest if you want to go to that. And you, we do have Wi-Fi now. You just have to sign up, basically say, I agree to all the terms and provisions and, and that. And then you can have Wi-Fi for those of you who uh, have smartphones or tablets or whatever you may have. So, so it's a story of Paul and Barnabas, and it's about how they are just walking with the Lord. Now, it's interesting that the New Testament talks about this relationship in the sense of a walk, because that's what it is. It's not a sprint. It's a lifetime journey. It's a walk. These two are walking with the Lord, and they're discussing uh, going on a mission trip. And they have already gone, Paul has already gone on one mission trip. This will be his second missionary journey with his boy Barney or Barnabas. And so they have this discussion. It says in Acts chapter 15 and verse 36, remember things you don't have to pray about. That's our theme this morning. It says, after some time, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and he left as he, as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Uh, then he traveled throughout Syria and uh, Cilicia, strengthening the churches there. Okay, here's my point about this. Um, they were so in sync in their relationship with the Lord, okay? They were so walking with him that they get this inclination that, you know, we ought to just go visit the brothers we preach the gospel to. Okay, this is not just jumping in your car and heading to Los Angeles, okay? This is much, much, this is a big deal. But you almost get the idea that they're just sitting and they're just like chilling. Maybe they're at Starbucks. Paul's having his favorite, you know, uh, I don't know what kind of whatever. And, and it's like, you know what? Let's go. I know. Let's go visit the brethren that we preach the gospel to. And Barnabas is like, yeah, let's do it. And it's just so, I don't know, it's so, it's so easy, right? It's so organic. It's so simple. Like, I think that, that, that sometimes we make things so complicated. And like, oh, no, wait a minute, you know, wait, brother. I remember when I first came into the ministry, you know, it was kind of simple for me, you know. And, and uh, 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 someone said to me, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure that God's called you into the ministry? 
And I went, well, I kind of was, but I don't know about now, man. I'm kind of scared. No, you know what I said? And this is like, is this immaturity or not? Or is it just being in love with the Lord? I don't know. I just said, you know what, man? I'm pretty sure it's what God wants. I don't know for sure, but I tell you what, if it doesn't work out, I'll just go get a job. What? That's how you got called? Well, not exactly, but that's how I entered in. And, it, you know, and I remember when I came on staff, I gave him a one-year commitment. That's it, man, because I'm a missionary, and I'm not going to be here long, man. You got one year. Yeah, I don't know how many years later, right? I'm like, they knew. They tricked me. <laughs> Somebody once called God Jehovah Sneaky, <laughs> you know, <laughs> no disrespect, Lord, you know, just how he just kind of puts you in places, right? Okay, so they, so, they, so they go. They go on this missionary journey, and they've got a plan. Okay, the people pray for them. They take off, and they've got a plan, and they, they're going to go to Asia, Right? I mean, how cool is that? To go, be the first ones to preach the gospel in Asia. The door gets slammed shut. Okay. So, so that, was, that was to the southwest. Uh, good thing, but the wrong time. And so now they're going to another city. They're going north to Bithynia. And they're just like, they're just flowing. Okay. So they go to Bithynia, and guess what? The, the door slammed shut. And so they're not going that way. So I said, we came this way. Well, we, we tried to go that way. <laughs> we couldn't. We tried to go north. That didn't work out. Let's go that way. It's like, is that it? Is that your plan, Paul? You just go someplace and wait for God to open up a door? Seems that way. Okay? And so they end up in Troas. And Paul, at least before they get to Macedonia, we'll get to, they end up in Troas. And when Paul started his missionary journey, he had no concept of ending up in a city called Troas, but that's where he ended up. Asia was a no. Bithynia was a no. So Troas worked. And by the way, how smart is God? Please forgive me if that sounds disrespectful, but, but how, how, how good is God in that they go to Troas and they pick up another guy? Yeah, his name is Dr. Luke. And so we can thank God closing doors and giving us the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts while they are in Troas. Who knew? God did. Okay. How cool is that? All right. Then Acts chapter 16 tells us this in verse 9. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So he decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. So God is speaking in different ways, isn't he? He's speaking through hindrances or closed doors. By the way, David Livingston, the great missionary to Africa, wanted to go to China. The Lord said no. William Carey wanted to go to Polynesia. God sent him to India. Adorian Judson went to India, but God sent him to Burma. See, God guides us along the way. Remember the old, old cars that didn't have power steering? Remember? No? Some of y'all remember that? Oh, man, those were great. <laughs> That's why everybody had big arms back then. It was like, <laughs> but you know what they said is that when the car is moving, it's easier to steer. I know young people are like, what is he talking about? Don't worry about it. You can Google it later, okay? Yeah, you know, but when a car is moving, it's easier to steer. And when a, when a, when a, when a follower of Christ is moving, it's easier for God to move them where he wants them. 
That's, that's the story here. Now, I'm not suggesting to you that they never prayed. I, I believe that they did. But I just want you to catch the ease at which they went on this massive missions trip because of their flow with the Spirit, because they were walking in God's grace. And they end up in a city called Philippi in Macedonia. Paul goes to the riverside expecting to see some Jewish men there praying, and there's a bunch of ladies there having a prayer meeting. Amen for the ladies having prayer meetings, right? If you got a prayer meeting, get some ladies there, okay, guys? I'm just telling you now, right? There's a prayer meeting, and the Lord opens up the heart of a woman named Lydia, and her and her entire family get born again, and they're the first converts in all of Europe. Just like that, simple. Easy. Okay, why am I saying this? Number one, don't pray. Listen, strive to live in sync so much with the Spirit of God who lives in you that you're living out the life of Christ in the Spirit. Strive to live like that. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 in the Amplified Bible gives us an amazing insight into this. He says, Paul... For it is not your strength, but it is God who effectively, who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work, that is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. So God works not from without, although he uses outward circumstances, he works from within. And he causes you both to will and do. So God now works in my desires. So now I desire something. I get a burden for something. Something's heavy in my heart. You know, I, I, I just can't get away from it. And it keeps coming back. And I think, man, I think God's trying to lead me in this. Then a door swings open and, and, and you walk right through. And you're spot on in the middle of God's will. And you've been praying about it, but you're walking with the spirit that we call it. So it's the life of Jesus in me lived out through the Holy Spirit to others. Now, see, that's better than a bunch of rules and laws. That's God in me, leading me and guiding me. See, that's what that is, okay? Um, Secondly, live your life knowing that as you step out, he will direct your steps. To be so in the flow, to be in such communion, and, and listen, Having an intimate relationship with God is very hard for us humans to understand, depending on your background or where you came from, right? You might think, I, God's not, God doesn't love, God doesn't love like that. God doesn't care about people like that. I can't just waltz up and say, hey, Lord, what's up? I just can't do that. No, you can, and it's hard, and it's hard. Maybe you've never been loved unconditionally before. And to understand that this God loves you and he cares about you, that he knows you to the nth degree, to the infinite degree he knows you. He knows what you do. He knows why you do it. He knows the chemical makeup, the cellular makeup, the cerebral makeup, and he's known it from eternity past. And it's, that's like too hard to grasp, Lord. It's a bit much. That's love. It's a love like you will not find any place else in the universe and beyond. It's hard for us to grab a hold of that. 
and that he cares about you and the steps that you take. So to be so in sync with him that like Paul and Silas, you know, they're just stepping, okay, Asia, closed door, okay, Bithynia, nope, okay, well, let's not go back where we came from. How about this way? Sounds good to me, Paul. Off they go, and they lead the first woman in in, in, uh, Europe to Christ. Unbelievable, okay? He's a God who opens doors and closes doors, okay? As we pray, we step out and believe, okay? Got that? Don't overpray certain things. How many of you prayed so hard about something, you talked yourself right out of it? And then you look back and thought, I think, you know, I actually think God was in that. Duh, you think, you know? Oh, man. Right? Don't over... Now, am I saying don't pray? No, of course not. Thirdly, you don't need to pray about things God has already spoken. You don't need to pray about things God has already spoken. When I first became a Christian... I came to Christ, and I was dating someone at that time, and it became very apparent there were great differences in our views on God (laughs) since I had just become a Christian. And I began to sense in my heart that this person was not the person God had for me. Just no. I mean, I'd, I'd read a scripture verse, and I'd think, okay, God, you're speaking to me about this relationship I'm in. And it became very clear. God is saying, okay, you need to let her go, you need to get out of this. And I'm like, you know, you know, you talk to different people. I was talking to mature believers and they'd say, they'd say things like, yeah, sounds like God's speaking to you, bro. When are you going to do it? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, why are you bothering me, man? You know, but, but, but I, but I knew you ever get, you ever, you just, I knew in my heart, I just knew it. I just knew it. God had confirmed it multiple times. And so I'm in this, I'm a new believer. I'm walking in my relationship with the Lord and God's saying, no. This person is holding you back. This person's not the one that I have for you. And I'm like, okay. So I go to this concert in town. Check this out for free. Philip Bailey, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Holla, millennials. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? You do not know. Y'all don't understand. Y'all don't. Y'all that came from where I came from. I went and saw Philip Bailey and shook his hand. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Preaching the gospel. Man, I was the, like the first dude there. I'm like, hey, can I get an autograph or something? Man, I didn't have a phone then, so I didn't take a picture. But, well, that's Philip Bailey. And he's singing. Is the rest of the band here? It's just you? No big deal. Okay, it's just me. All right. Some of y'all get it. I know some of y'all get it. Philip Bailey. Free. Down at a church. I'm like, what? They do that? Guys like that sing it? Anyway. So he says this. He says, some of you, and I'm kind of paraphrasing what he said. He said, if you've lost direction in your life, go back to what you know God said to you. Be obedient to that, and you'll be back on course. And I knew that was a word for me. That was a rhema. That was a word that, that, was a word that hit my ears, and the Holy Spirit went, that's for you, bro. And I went, yeah, that's for me. And, and, and I knew I needed to go back because you know what? I was wasting my prayers about that relationship. It really was. It was like the Lord was saying, you just, just going to spin your wheels. How long are you going to do this, man? You pray, you pray, you fast, you can call down fire from heaven. It's not my will. I'm not going to twist God's arms. Oh, Lord, come on. And I was like, Mm-mm, son, it ain't happening because I don't know the future. And he does. 
So fast forward that to when the Lord spoke to me years later about, about my wife, Dawn. God, listen to me. God spoke to my heart. God, it wasn't an audible voice. I knew that she was going to be. God told me that his exact words were, she will be your wife. And I'm like, no way. You're kidding me. Those were my, that's my response, big spiritual response, huh? I was like, what, 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 what? Come again? What, what? Started blabbering all over the place like, man, what? You know, what? I mean, I, and I, I just knew it. I just knew it. I knew in my heart. And you know what? You, you, it, it, I, now I had to step back and let God do it. That was the other thing. And that was, okay, that was a little bit tough because the first thing I wanted to do was call her up and tell her, God told me you're going to be my wife. What you doing tomorrow? <laughs> Hello? Hello? Are you there? <laughs> I think she hung up. <laughs> I mean, but I knew, and I knew that I had to let God do it. Forgot that I had prayed that when I was single. I had prayed, God, you need to do this because I will jack it up every time. I will. I will mess this thing up. I know I will. And so the Lord honored my prayer. Okay, son, step to the side. I'm like, what? Can I get a number or something? You know, no, 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 no. You just move along. Somebody told me, you know what? It's not God's will for you to marry her. I said, I'm sorry. So sorry. So sorry you feel that way, but you're wrong. Get behind me, Satan. Liar! You know, I started getting all Southern Baptist on them, you know, all Pentecostal. Who are you? Get behind I was standing on the devil's. Oh, my. Oh, what? No, no, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Uh, no, they told me that. I said, I'm so sorry because there's nothing you could tell me because I know that I heard from the Lord. Does that make sense? I knew. I didn't have to pray about it. I didn't have to pray about it. Are you sure, brother? Yeah. Are you really sure? Dude, I'm sure. For sure? How many times you want to go through this, man? I'm sure, right? I knew. Okay? <clears throat> you don't need to pray about things God has already spoken. You don't need to pray about something if he's already spoken about it in his word. If God's word says, this is not good for my people, you don't need to pray about it. Lord, can I finish off this court or not? Now, you don't have to pray about that, right? You, 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 you don't have to pray about, because it's already in his word, all right? You don't need to pray when it's time to act. There's a time to pray, and there's a time to act. Living grace, hear me. It's time to act. It's time to act as we pray. Look around you. Look at, our, look, at our, look at our nation. Look at our city. It's time to act. Okay? Remember David in the Old Testament? David shows up to a battle that he wasn't invited to. Right? And there's a giant that's disrespecting God. And David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dares to defy the armies of the living God? Because the entire nation of Israel, the entire army is scared stiff. They're petrified. They're hiding. David shows up and says, hey, man, give me a few rocks. I'm good to go. And, and he, and he, but he runs to the giant. But here's my thing. He doesn't pray about it because he had already been a man of prayer. The sweet psalmist of Israel, he runs into the battle. I'm not saying he didn't need to pray. I'm saying he was already prayed up. Nehemiah, the king's cupbearer, hears that Jerusalem, the walls are tore down. And when there's no wall, there's no city in ancient Jerusalem. It's destroyed. And he weeps and he wails over it. He's the king's cupbearer. It's a great job if you can get it, but the benefits aren't always good. You drink what the king drinks before he drinks it. So it's like, okay, eat up. (laughs) 
give them 30 minutes and we'll see, right? And so, but it was, it was wrong to go into the king's presence with uh, sad, sadness on your face. Um, and, and, and he can't shake it. So this is what happens. It says in uh, Nehemiah chapter 2, early the following spring, the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? That's not good. That's a, he, could, he could behead you for that. He could, he could take you out for that. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad for the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire? The king asked, well, how can I help you? He had already been in prayer. Chapter 1 tells us that he fasted and he prayed and he poured out his heart for God. God swings the door wide open. Nehemiah didn't have time to say, let me get back to you, king. I'll get, may I please leave? I'll come right. No, he was ready. He had already prayed. It was time to act. So, faith without obedience is dead. Prayer without action is wasted. Faith without obedience is dead. Prayer without action is wasted. Okay? So in a book called Wasted Prayer, this is sort of the, 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 uh, the, the prologue to it. It says, what would your life look like if you stopped praying about God's will and just did it instead? How would Living Grace, I add this, look if we spent as much time serving as we spent praying about serving? The truth is, sometimes when we think we're praying, we're really just procrastinating. Anybody? Does that relate to you? In times that call for action, prayer can be disobedience in disguise. Let me just pray about that. But really, I'm not discounting prayer. I'm not saying, we, we, of course we need to be praying, but sometimes we need to be acting and need to be obedient in those things that we're praying about. Let me just kind of conclude by saying this. You don't need to pray and ask God if you're his child, if you believe that God is holy and perfect and righteous and that you're not. The Bible tells us all have sinned and fall short of his mark of perfection. See, this is God's mark of perfection, and we all fall short of it, every one of us. And so what we try to do is we try to be good enough, we try to be nice enough, we try to be benevolent enough, we try to be religious enough, we try to be, you fill in the blank, enough that God will be pleased with us. And the only problem with that is none of that is good enough. There are people that I talk to and I say, hey, you know what? Are you sure you'd go to heaven when you die? They go, I'm sure I'd go to heaven and with, with enthusiasm. I say, tell me, how are you so sure? They go, because I'm a good person. I'm really good. I'm not bad. I go, compared to who? Are you good like Mother Teresa or Billy Graham? Are you good or are you bad like, you know, I don't know. Name some evil dictator, uh, uh, Hitler, Stalin. I mean, like, where are you on the scale? Well, I don't know. I'm like, I'm not that bad, but I'm not that good. Okay, well, then how good is good enough? Well, I don't know. Exactly. No one knows. That's why it's not based on how good I am. It's based on whether or not I see 
how far I am from him and therefore I need a savior because I'm separated from him. You realize that you've missed the mark of God's perfection, the law. You believe that Jesus Christ was a historical figure who died for your sins who rose from the dead and who ascended to heaven. You believe that. You believe, like Jesus said, he was the way and the truth and the life and that nobody got to God but through him because he's the only one who lived the perfect life that God's righteous requirement demands. And you believe that. Now, if you've done that, the Bible says in 1 John 5, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, which represents all that Jesus Christ is and does, so that you will know with settled and absolute knowledge that you already have eternal life. These things I have written to you that you may know that you have. You don't have to pray, God, do I have eternal life? God, am I, am I pleasing to you? God, am I, am I going to be with you one day? If you've already done, you've, you've asked God to come into your heart. You've asked him to forgive you. You've, you've, you recognize how far you are from him. You see, you have to be humble to come to God because if you're full of yourself, you don't need God until life throws you a curveball. And you're like, Okay, I can't control this, God. What do, where do I go? What do I do? How do I, how do I, how do I get through this? Yes. So the cross of Jesus Christ represents the finished work of God, and it shines the light of the gospel truth. We continually pray Ephesians one eighteen, Lord, enlighten our eyes, because we're always growing in this. Do you love the brothers? It says, 1 John 3, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Do you love the brethren? Okay. Assurance of your salvation is a precious thing. May we grow in it. May we grow in it. May we walk in it. It's, a, it's one thing to, to pursue God wondering if you'll ever be good enough. It's another thing to pursue God knowing that you're not good enough, but he has made you good enough because of what Jesus Christ has done. All right? I want to conclude by saying this. What's the last thing the Lord spoke to you? What's the last thing he said to you? Something that you know is not in alignment with him. Some direction that he has for you to go in, but you've, you've not gone that way. I don't know. Could have been yesterday, could have been five years ago, could have been 10, could have been 20 years ago. Because if we're not walking as children that are being obedient, then that could be affecting my prayers today. Because I could be praying for things that are not in his will because I've never got in sync here. Wasted prayers, perhaps, perhaps. But if you want to, Come in alignment. And I don't know what that is for you. You want to come in alignment with God. You want to say, God, you know what? I'm here, God. You're there. Man, I want to come where you are, God. I want to line up with you. I want to be right with you. Then you know what? Would you do that today? Would you say, Lord, today, I'll do it. And then would you mark it down and start walking in it? And would you tell somebody else about it? Would you tell somebody else about it? Um. So I'd like to have a, a time of prayer right now and um, that we would just pray together and I want to give you an opportunity to, to 
to fall into the arms of Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to have your sins forgiven. Sin is a weight. It's heavy. It's a heavy weight, man. See, when I came to Christ, I knew I was a sinner. You didn't have to tell me. (laughs) I was like, that's me. I wasn't proud of it, but it's just who I was. I knew I needed a Savior if I was going to get right with God. I knew it. And I believe that's Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Thank you for your love for us, God. Thank you that you have a purpose and a plan in all things. Thank you, God, for this wonderful day that you've given us, Lord. We rejoice. We're glad in it. Lord, thank you that you love us so much that you sent your son to live the perfect life that we can't live, to pay the price for our sin and to make us holy that no no amount of scrubbing and cleaning or religious acts can make us right with you. You knew that. You designed it that way. Even the law was designed to bring us to grace, your unmerited favor. And so, God, we thank you for that. We thank you for that. Today, you you might be like, man, that's me. I I hear that. I, I know I'm not right with God. I, I, I need Jesus in my life. I, 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 Lord, I, I give you my heart. And, and there's something within you that's just churning, and you know, you know God is speaking to you. you. God spoke to you today. You know it. And if you be honest with yourself, you say, God, I'm far from you. But today, I want to shrink the gap. And I want to acknowledge where I'm at, and I ask you to forgive me. And, you know, people are praying all throughout this room. And if that's you, would you just lift up your hand just so I can make eye contact with you? You would say, Pastor, that's me. I don't know it all. I don't understand it all. But I know God's spoken to my heart. Anybody at all up front? Amen, brother. Amen, brother. Yes. Your name is, your name is inscribed in the, in the palm of his hands, it says in Isaiah. Your name. Your name. Anyone else? Yeah, brother. Amen. Amen. Yes, yes, yes. Come on up, brother. You who raised your hand, come on up. Come on up. Anybody else? Anybody? We'll just make that move today. Say, yeah, you know, I'm not afraid, man. I'll, I believe it. I believe it. Anyone? Let me give you an opportunity. You don't feel like, don't feel pressure. All right. Let's all stand together, shall we? Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace in this place. You've visited us in a powerful way. Lord, thank you for the work that you're doing in these men's lives, God, that you would was, you was seal it today, oh God. God, they have stood for you and they've said, yes, God, that's what I need. Lord, you are an amazing God. Lord, I thank you that you look at the heart, oh God, that you know our hearts. And Lord, it takes, it takes, a, it takes a lot for men especially to just stand up for you. And I thank you for these that stand for you today, oh God. I pray you bless them, God, that you fill them with your spirit. That, Lord, as they, as they walk each day, they would know that they are your chosen, that they are your beloved, that you love them, that you are going to work things out, that you are, you are there for them. And, Lord, they know that in their darkest moments, Lord, they know that you were there for them. And so, God, would you bless them? Would you strengthen them? Would you walk with them? We give you all the thanks and all the honor and all the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Amen, Amen, sister. Amen.